We're going to read from chapter 3 in a few moments. And um, we're starting our teaching series, uh, teaching summer series called Virtue. Virtue is a very old-fashioned word, but we've chosen it completely on purpose because we want to uh, kind of rediscover some things that the Scripture says. I've had a tragedy this week, an absolute tragedy. I've lost my running shoes, my trainers. I don't know where they are. I cannot find them. I haven't been able to run. I I tried to have a little go in my shoes. They're the wrong things to run in. Nearly crippled my feet. I wonder what you're trying to run in. And I've also lost my bus pass. Now, hang on. Before you say, he doesn't look that old. It's not one of those bus passes where you get when you're of a certain age. I have a bus pass so I can get around and visit folks and so on. Because I'm in my 50s. Despite what Kathy might want to tell you, whatever she tells you, come and refer to me about my age. Okay, but I lost my bus pass this week. I can't get around without my bus pass. And I've lost my trainers. I just wonder what you're, what's lost in your life that you can't travel around properly with. I wonder what's missing. I wonder what's been lost, actually. I wonder if without the right virtues, whether you're going to get to where you're supposed to get to. Paul in the Second Corinthians chapter 3 was referring to uh, that people were a representation of his ministry when he wrote these words in 2 Corinthians 3 verses 2 and 3. He says, you yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry. Written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. You're a letter from Christ. Now Paul was was, uh, saying about them being a letter about his ministry. But do you know that we represent Christ? That we're a letter, we're his email. Why are we going to talk about virtue? Imagine that you're the sort of person who always knows what to say. You can always deliver tough news gracefully. You can diffuse awkward situations. You can be confident, but you're not arrogant. That you are brave, but you're not reckless. You're generous, but you're not flashy. Would you like to be that way? Would you like to be that sort of person that seems the type of person that everybody wants to be around? That when an event happens, you show up and everybody goes, oh, I'm glad they're here. I wonder if that's the sort of person that you actually are. The sort of person who's mastered the art of being a person. That being a person has come because you know that your virtues are in place. This is a person who knows what we call virtues. When we talk about virtue in this world, we usually think of a person who's in the corner, uptight, repressed, is afraid to be a part of things. But when the Bible talks about people having the right attitudes, the graces of God that God has filled them with, they are truly free. 
They're kind of at the center of things, not on the edge of things. You see, they've allowed God to completely flood them with grace and strength a new attitude that they begin to live out the design that God has got for them. And that living out of virtue comes from the love of God which they've been flooded with and received. Do you know what I'm trying to say today? Is that God wants to put something in you so that he can work through you And place something on you and over you. And so that you can live under his his care and compassion. So that he can do things with you. A virtuous person has has the right way of going forward. A virtue is a habit. It's a disposition to do good. It it allows the person not only to perform good acts, but to give the best of of themselves. Somebody sort out the interference that we're getting from from the microphones, if you will. Um, They kind of, what a virtue is, and just stay with me while we're being kind of a bit interfered with. Uh, A virtue is a disposition. It's something that's part of your character. It's an attitude, and it's something that flows from you. But that's not by fleshly effort, although you are going to have to put some sacrifice and repetition in to get it. You, you are going to have to do that, but... <laughs> it's coming through this monitor... From downstairs. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Stay with me, folks. Stay with me. Don't, don't look at that. Look at me. Okay. A virtue is a disposition that you have been given by the grace of God. That's something that God's done in you. Now, when we've talked about virtues in the past in the church, it's all about just behavior modification. But just be with me just for a moment. Just for a moment, just focus on what you need to receive from God. You need to to be able to say, God, anything that you've got for me, I want you to fill me with it so that I can live it out. Amen? Amen. Just raise your hand with me just for a moment and just say, God, fill me with whatever you've got for me. Just fill me, Lord. You see, when the Bible says in Psalm 37, verse 37, it says, it says consider the blameless, observe the upright. A future awaits for that person who seeks peace. The Bible actually says, look out for these people. The Bible actually says, 
Keep your eye on these type of people. You see, virtues guide our conduct according to the dictates of both faith and reason, leading us towards a freedom-based self-control so that we can live a good moral life. Virtues are kind of compassion, responsibility, a sense of duty, self-discipline, restraint, honesty, modesty, loyalty. The sort of person that can have friendship, courage, persistence. Are you the sort of person that gives up easily? I wonder if God could put persistence in your life. Over this summer, we're going to teach into a set of virtues because we believe that there's a work of God for our hearts to come. But I wonder if we're coming to the place where many of you are asking, what, is this right? Is this okay? What's right? I mean, culture's moving on so fast that we... Can I say, you know, do you remember when we used to have church and then, do you remember when the mobile phone first came out and one or two people would have them and they were like a brick, you know, but they'd come into the, you know, it was like Dom Jolly on the television. Hello! They got a big mobile phone. And when mobile phones first came out, do you remember when they, when they used to go off in church and there'd be 20 deacons that would go and walk towards them, you know, because having a mobile phone in church was almost like a sin. Now I look at you and I preach to you, you're tweeting, you're looking, you're Facebooking, you're all through church. Culture's moved on. Is that right? Is that right? We actually say to you, get your phones out and do this. Things are moving on so fast. It used to be the worst sin in the world for a mobile phone to go off in church. Now we just kind of accept it. Is that right? Nobody say anything. Because you're the one who's going to say, no, it's not right. You're the one who's got a rubbish phone. You see... We need to ask ourselves, is, are things right? Every generation faces new challenges and we need to re-examine what the Bible says is good virtues so that we can answer these important questions today. Medical science is moving so fast. We can hardly keep up. So we think, is, is that right? Is that right that can do all that stuff? There are new cultural trends that we don't know what to do with. And you know, we've got so many opportunities today, haven't we? I mean, when I was growing up, we used to have two holiday destinations. Blackpool, the bag of chips, and Real. Some of you won't know where Real is. It's North Wales. And that's, all, that's where you went to. Now, some of you, you go all over the world. You've got opportunities beyond opportunities. It's within those opportunities we need to know our ground in taking them. So be clear, let me, let me just say to you, over the summer, our whole teaching team is going to be involved. George and Jordan and, and Nick and Paula, we're, we're all going to be involved. It's not going to be one generation saying to another generation, I'll just do it our way. Or one generation saying, oh, things have changed. It's not like the good old days. We're not going to get into that at all. Actually, we all face life together. And we want to ask ourselves, how can we live the authentic Jesus lifestyle of what Jesus is asking us to be? How can we have those dispositions, those dispositions and those conditions of heart and that 
that strength of character whereby we start living out authentically what Jesus is calling us to do. It's an old question. There's a philosopher named Aristotle and he basically said, if you want to live out your virtues, just live what he called the golden mean or just in the middle. He said, don't go to the extreme. He said, if you be generous, uh, you'll be reckless and you, might, and you might come across too flashy. But if you're too stingy, uh, then, then, you know, if you're over on this side and you're too stingy, then you won't help people. So, so kind of be generous sometimes and, and save some other times. Or if you're too loving and people will think that you're just soft, but if you're too, if you're too uh, kind of hard, then people won't be attracted to you. So he said, if you want to live out life, just live down the middle. And many of us live by that philosophy. We keep our heads down. We don't want to be ex- outrageous about anything. Just down the middle. I don't want to go to the extreme in any way at all. But what does the Bible say? The Bible actually says, no, don't let's just live down the middle, but this is what the Bible promises. If you've got a Bible with you, turn to Ephesians 3.19. It says that we can know his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. That actually we don't want to just be cautious and live down the middle. And that might be okay for some people. You might have to rein some things back. You might have to come back. You might have to live an integrated or a balanced life for a while. But actually, rather than just being cautious, I want to lift my hand and my heart and say, fill me to the fullness of the measure of God. Anybody else? You know, Colossians 2 verse 10 also says, Christ in you has brought you to fullness. Hey, just do this with me one more time. Lift your hand again and say, fill me, God. Fill, fill me, Lord, with what? You know, if you're full of fear, let's get you full of faith. If, if you're full of giving up, let's get you full of persistence. If, if, you, if you're lacking to do something and you're, you're worried about tomorrow, let's ask the Lord, fill me with courage because what we talk about today will be some behaviors. But first of all, it's a work of God in our heart to fill us with some things. And it comes from his grace. So why virtue? Why would your pastors and teaching team want to choose the, the, the subject of virtue for this summer? You, and when you're on holiday, download us when you're on the beach. You know, just think of us and download us. God's going to minister to you. You know, today, as a modern people, we all want to make a difference and make sure that we're on the right track. And if we're not careful that life's so fast moving and fa- fast paced that the voice of faith can be drowned out and the voice of, of our faith community and each other can be drowned out and become irrelevant if we say nothing. So one of the reasons why why we want to say something about the way that we live and what virtues are today is, is because... If we say nothing, then extremists come in and fill that void and start teaching extreme things. So we want to speak into the way we live. Kathy and I, we, we, we never went to church. We were completely non-Christians. We had no idea about faith. Everything I know about the Lord, the church has taught me in God's grace. I didn't grow up in it. And actually... 
you know, we, we got saved in a very conservative church. In a church that, that had so many rules. We, you know, we, we got saved in a church. When I first went to church, oh golly, I must have been like an alien walking through the door. And BCC, I want to say to you, if people come in with turbans and, and Muslim dress or skinheads or tattoos and piercings and whatever, are you the sort of church that could just look into their eyes and love them? Can you be that church? Can, can we be that in the city for people? Can we not react to the way that we're dressed? Because you're looking at a man. I, listen, when I first went to church, I, 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 there was a group called the Bay City Rollers. You don't know them. And if you know them, then you're in your 50s. You're not any higher than 50. Okay. And there was a man called David Bowie. And I was just really into those people. I walked into this, what was, what was then called a holiness church. Now, what that meant was it told you all the things that he didn't do. But those people were so kind to me. I walked in with a green dot on my forehead, my hair all really long. Some of you are imagining it now and you're thinking, <laughs> he, he looked good. He looked good. Like I, had, I had flared trousers with tartan patches I had platform soles. I mean, I was a gangly teenager. I could hardly keep my balance anyway. Multicolored shoes. And I walked in to one of the most straight-laced churches, and those people just looked past all that and loved me. You see, because those people had virtues in their heart. They had virtues in their heart that played out. But we would probably reflect on those times, wouldn't we, Kathy? And we would probably say that our church that we first got saved in and grew up with probably said too much about the way people lived. They probably put too many restrictions and probably highlighted things about what people did and wore and did. They probably were too much. We've been reflecting, and, and part of this series is a kind of conversation coming out of our marriage and out of our leadership. We've been reflecting over the last few months that we now live in a church world that probably doesn't say enough at all. We probably don't speak enough about what good virtues are and what good behaviors are and the outplaying of those because we're afraid of losing people and running people off. But why don't you all decide I'm not going to be run off? Amen? So, so we're going to do a summer, summer series on virtues, and we're going to reflect on those things, because we don't want to leave the voice to the extremists and the legalists. We want to call you to go on a journey with us, and let's look again at what the Bible describes as authentic virtues in Jesus, so that we can live a life for him. Many of us are very decent people, but we're all still wondering the balance of what's right, and what truly Bible virtues 
values are. Many of us, this is how we make our decisions. We, we make our decisions uh, and by culture by saying, if, if I'm doing it from my will and nobody's uh, forcing me to do it, then it's all right. And also, if I'm not hurting anybody, then it's all right. And, and that may be good, and, and in some ways that is good uh, in, in to so, so far of it. But we have to reflect actually a third question. Is this right by the Scriptures? Is this right by what the Bible says? Is it right, or am I just following culture? Are we sure that we're not just conforming to the pattern of the world and being transformed by the renewing of our minds? Are we sure about that? So I just want to kind of give you three reasons why, why you should look at your virtues, why you should take, go on a journey with us, and why, we, why virtue is important. Number one, first of all, we should look at our virtues because we have a maker. Because actually, as humans, we operate better under certain conditions in a certain atmosphere because we're designed we are designed to be bathed in love and not criticism. If you, if you bring up a child and you bring them up and, and God bless you and God bless your parents if your parents were too harsh with you, but if you bring up a child full of criticism and, and they can't do anything right because of the design of humans, they will get kinked so that they will come out as somebody who is cynical and somebody who is afraid of others. Because you're designed to actually be brought up in a different way. With affirmation and discipline. That's how you're designed. You have a design about you. Now, people don't like Christians talking about design because they think that as we talk about design, we are narrowing our borders and repressing people. But actually, God's design is so rich, so deep, so wide that you will flourish under his design. Amen? Come on, let's give the Lord praise for what he's done for us. The same is true about virtues. If you discover right biblical virtues that you were designed to live in, you will be the best that you can be because you'll be following the design that God has always intended you to be. Isaiah 45 verse 9 says, Woe to those who quarrel with the Maker. Does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? His design is big enough for you to flourish. When we thoughtfully understand what our design is, we can really live. You know, by living in the way God wants you to live, you will actually experience more freedom. When the scripture says we are fearfully and wonderfully made, it means that we, our emotions and also our psychology is wonderful made, not just our bodies. I've lost my trainers. I've lost my bus pass. And I can't travel the right way until I get them back. I wonder out of your design what you've lost. And I wonder if you're trying to run with the wrong equipment. And God, I pray that that which is lost out of your life is replenished back so that you can connect with your maker and start living towards the design that he's got for you. 
Second reason why it's important that we look at our virtues is we need to talk about them because you've got a meaning. Your life has a purpose and a value to your life that you need to move towards. You know, you were born to do some things. God in his plan has got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. Nothing but God's will in your life should be your master. You've all read Romans 6.14 that says, For sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under law, but you're under grace. You're under God's free-flowing grace that he wants to replenish your heart with so that you can move to the purpose that God has got for you at whatever age and stage. You see, we, we think God's purpose is so narrow. And, and in some ways it is because he's designed, but in other ways it's wide. He may lead you on a detour to teach you some things so that you can come back to achieve some longer term things. So if you're in detour land right now, and you know when we were singing that song earlier, second song, Kevin, uh, you know about uh, what do we... Yeah, nothing can separate us. I, I was just musing that I just felt there were some people in the, in the, in the house and you know, that, that you're kind of in a place where you're thinking, I don't really know what's going on. Let me say to you, as you deepen your virtues, God will bring his purpose and meaning more to your life and direct you. And, and you might be in a lost place. He's got it. He's got it. He's absolutely got your life. He absolutely has. So we need to talk about the way that we live, the way that our hearts are, the way that our character's forming, because we've got a meaning. We've got a purpose. We've got value and something to move towards. You see, your virtues are a filter and they're a protection to stop you being dragged off your purpose. To stop you kind of getting quick hit fixes so that your purpose is delayed and derailed. Your virtues protect your meaning. They don't allow things to drag you off course. They're your gatekeepers. Third reason why we need to make sure that we discover what good virtues are, those attitudes of character, those dispositions that we get from God's love and the the grace of God's love, So then we start to live and we start to practice them and they start to become stronger in our lives because we receive them, but we repeat them. When you see somebody who's got a good virtue, copy them. That's not wrong. It's not wrong to say, hey, I want to be like Jane. It's not wrong. We don't compare, but we can copy. Paul said, imitate me as I follow Christ. If you see something good in Paolo, copy it. Amen? If you see something good in my wife, copy it. If you think, you know, Kathy's so wise, she, she always holds her tongue. And, you know, she, she thinks before she speaks, I'm going to be like that. That's all right. How else are we going to learn? We're going to learn from receiving from the Spirit, receiving from the Scriptures, but also receiving from good examples. And then as we repeat those things, our virtues get stronger. You see, the third reason why you need to copy and to move into virtues is that you have a message. In fact, not just that you have a message, but you are a message. You are a letter. And for those of you who don't know what that is, you are an email. You're a text. You're an SMS. 
for those of you, you are a communication to the world. We often externalize all that we do. And yet it's important to realize that everything about us sends a message about us. What we say and how we are sends a message. You're not just posting on Facebook, although can I say to you, your posts on Facebook go to the whole world. You're not just posting on Facebook, you're posting to the world all the time. I wonder how Jesus shows up at work on Mondays. You are a message about what you say is a message. What you don't say is a message. Have you ever walked up to somebody and said, hey, how are you? And they went, it's a message. It's a message. Have you ever looked at somebody and said, you're saying that, but the way that you live doesn't impress me. It's a message. It's a message. Your virtues will make sure that your message that you send is authentic and real to Jesus, that the image of Jesus is coming through, then that what you're trying to communicate is both strong and sharp. It's our virtues that give strength to the things that we say. I was watching Sports Unlimited the other day. Now, Sports Unlimited is a program where you can watch monster trucks or they do kind of weird sports. And I was watching New Zealand versus Great Britain at chopping trees down. I didn't even know we had a chopping trees down team. You know, I'm really into the World Cup and I know that Ivan's going to be cheering for England. And, you know, Italy didn't make it, Paula. Italy did not make the World Cup. Okay, nobody cares in the room. Okay, sorry about that, Paola. But Brazil made it. They made it, Ivan. But you've just got British, British citizenship, so you now have to cheer for England. When, it, when Brazil are in the final and England have been knocked out, you'll be going, I can't cheer because my team are at home. You see, when I watch sport, something rises up in me, doesn't it with you? It's my virtues, it's my values. And we were chopping wood against the New Zealanders. And I thought, we've got to win this. I don't care about chopping wood normally. But I was thinking, you've got to win this. And we were chopping away. And the New Zealanders won by two chops. And I thought, man, we've lost. How can we lose axe chopping? Is there anything else, Lord, that we can lose at? (laughs) South Africa's just beaten us at cricket. You know, we just lose at everything. But I tell you something, we're not losers. Because we've got Jesus. Somebody clap the Lord. You can lose at everything, but you can win with God. But that's a tangent. That's not what I'm saying. So they're chopping away at the wood, and I noticed two things sharp axes, strong muscles. That's what virtue does for you. It will sharpen your message and it will give you the strength to live. So I want you to come with me on a journey this summer. I want you to come and start thinking to yourself, what's in my heart? What do I need to lose? What do I need to receive? Would you please stand with me? And Kevin and the band, would you just please come?
Because I want to just say one last thing. But focus while we're just standing. If we'd all stand. You know, we've all been doing this GDPR thing. And we've all had to opt in to what email lists we want to be on and everything. But something struck us, didn't it, Kathy? Something struck us. We were talking to our, our children about this. Listen to me, this is important. If you are unaware of what virtues you are following, if you've not made an active decision to say no to some things of the world, you are already by default said yes to them. If you have not actively said, I need to follow you, Jesus. I need you to fill me with some things. Then you are by default receiving some things from the world that you don't need. And so let's do a God's discipleship praise retention strategy and let's opt in and say God I want to fill my life full of virtues I want to be the authentic Jesus now you can't do that on your own it will take you that you have to receive some things it will take that you have to repeat some things and try again it will take that you will have to re study some things in the scriptures but you see as well as a gatekeeping role that your virtues have and and that's an important role that they stop you being dragged away but actually your virtues have the way of helping you celebrate that which is right they affirm you when you when you receive and when you develop your courage and you refuse fear, then you affirm and honour God and honour the people around you, but you affirm yourself. And it teaches you what to celebrate. Your heart will be sad at some things. While everybody else is laughing at work, there'll be times when you're saying, I'm not joining in with that. And it's not that you'll be miserable, it's not that you'll be obstropolous or or the person on the out, but you'll just know what to celebrate. And there'll be times when... The person at work who's always out, you can bring them in because you know how to reach people. You see, your virtues will teach you what to affirm and what to celebrate. So I'd like you to pray a prayer with me. Because it starts, virtues take a while, but it does start and it starts with a decision. Lots of things when we come for prayer. That's the start. And you have to work it out. I've asked you to do this a lot today. And would you give me grace one more time? Would you raise your hand with me? And I'll say a line and you say it after me. This is a biblical prayer. And this is a start to receiving. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me into the way of everlasting.
got to do some receiving. And so today, let's be in receiving mode. You've got to do some releasing and say, I don't want to be like that anymore. I want you to fill me with strength. It starts with God's strength and then you'll work it out. You've got to do some repeating. You've got to say, well, I did okay, but I'm going to have another go. And your virtues will grow. So just as a start, I'm going to ask Kevin and the band, they're going to sing this prayer for us. I want everybody just to sing it together. And then in a few moments, I'm going to ask some of you to come. And some of you need to release some things. Some of you need to say, I want to make a start. Some of you, you'll take communion and that will be the way that you'll seal what we've said. But without any hype, would you one more time just give the Lord a clap offering and say, I'm ready to receive. We're ready to receive, Lord. Your virtues will be your gatekeepers. Your virtues will help you celebrate. Come and be free. Let's sing together, shall we?